0: It is necessary for the recording of sound to convert the sound waves to corresponding changes in light. The sound waves produced by my voice are transmitted through the air to the microphone, where these sound waves are converted to changes in an electric current. These variations in the electric current are then amplified and used to control the light. This varying beam of light falling on the photoelectric cell produces variations in the electric current, which are directly proportional to the variations in the light beam. The sound SoundTrack As the varying electrical current in the photoelectric cell is small, a vacuum tube amplifier is required to increase it to the point where it will operate a loudspeaker. SoundTrack
1: Welcome back to the Occult Rejects and Friends. Uh, Thank you all for hitting that play button and uh, checking us out after our brief little intermission. Uh, Today, very special guest for me. Um, You know, I was thinking after coming back, after doing the little house cleaning and just, you know, changing stuff with the show, uh, I really didn't have time to really dig into a topic, but I was thinking, like, maybe I could get a guest on. And with this show, um, I do try to get into more in-depth stuff, bring topics that are going to be, you know, maybe more than one episode, do a little series on them. And I'm thinking, I'm like, who could I ask for that? And I'm like, oh, Robbie Marks. No brainer. And he's going to bring the heat. So uh, here we are, um, back after a little hiatus uh, for the Occult Rejects and Friends Um, I'm very proud to have on the first guest, first episode to drop. I got my amazing Canadian co-host with me, Teresa, and I got the amazing, talented artist, conspiracy theorist, whatever else he wants to call himself, mystic, (laughs) uh, the amazing Robbie Marks. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on again, my friend.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's always a good time.
1: Yeah, and it was nice to actually get you on this show instead of my show. I was even thinking about that before. I was like, how come I have never had him on this show? Fold over. Everything (laughs) fold in its own time, you know? Yeah, so so here you are. And uh, before we get into this, could you just let people, uh, well, for two things, let people know where they could find your stuff, because you do have your own podcast now. And uh, if you don't mind letting people know uh, what this show is going to be about as well.
2: Yeah. So, um, you can find my stuff. Um, I'm all over the web. I'm on most platforms. You can just Google, uh, our marks Artist, or actually I use start page, um, which is New Hampshire based and it keeps no records as far as what you search or anything is, to- and it's totally anonymous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, start page is great. Um, but, uh, then let's see, I'm also, uh, I have my Etsy store, which is uh R Mark's artist. And then um I also have now um I just started releasing my Meta Mindcast, which is a series of interviews I've been doing um with various other podcasts as well as some of my own recordings, my own personal research mixed in. Um and that you can just search Meta M E T T A Mind Cast all one word. And it should pop up on most of the major pod servers.
1: Awesome. Thank so, you very much. And all the yeah. links for that will be in the show notes as well. Nice. And I can't forget, Teresa, what's going on? Uh, maybe not everybody <laughs> knows. Well, I don't know. You have been on the Occult Rejects before. So uh,
0: the listeners yeah, should should know who once. you are
1: by now, even if they haven't listened to my own show. <laughs> so would you like to uh, like to say what's up and plug your stuff and let everybody know who you are just in case they don't know who you are?
3: Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show. It's exciting times, um, but yeah. So I think I was on a call reject for the clothing lines. Yeah, maybe
1: one other thing, but I know at least that show. Yes.
3: Yeah, at least that. Um, and then yeah, so we have another show together um, called Spiritual Gangsters. So that's like a little bit different than this, um, a little more personal, and talk about like transformation, spiritual questions issues pop culture sometimes things like that so like this week we just had an episode drop about kanye west which is fun with uh colorado dank who's the best <laughs> and uh yeah so it's a lot of fun please check it out and people can also find me on instagram that's where i'm at the most
1: nice. but yeah all that
3: stuff's probably in the links nice. I guess. yes
1: they will be yes yeah. so they'll make sure that they are and not to put robbie on the spot but was just thinking he'd be a perfect guest mm-hmm. too for Spiritual games I'm just thinking his art, the occultism. I thought
3: about it before, but I know he's very very busy artiste, so it'll happen if he's yes. open to it.
2: When 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 it comes around, I'm, I'm open to a lot. Perfect. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely.
3: <laughs> and I'm excited for this because Robbie always has so much to say. I have like my lecture like pad ready, nope, like my notes. pen. I yeah, know I lot actually about brought this a pad and so I'm too. like, I'm just ready to like take notes.
2: And and well, I think what we really have to you know kind of uh, realize with the Egyptian stuff is that um, putting a lot of this stuff together. Um, I was just talking to Grubb, and we were talking about uh, you know some of the transition times in Egypt, and it's it's like so many pieces like that you have to like assemble from a thousand different places to kind of begin to get a cohesive picture of kind of what this, you know, cause you have the Roman times, you have the prehistory times, and then you have the misty times, you know, where basically formation was coming in and you have the, the establishment of these base, you know, gods. Um, and so what we're going to talk about today is basically um, the formation of Um, mythos of the Egyptians as far as how reality came into being and then we're going to talk about um, the major characters in the Egyptian mysteries um, which um, basically revolve around Osiris and Isis Um, and then we also have Set and Neptes and then um, that leads us to Horus so we're going to basically cover um, up to um, the initial four: Osiris, Isis, Set, and Neptes and then we're also going to cover Thoth, who's a major character. And then for the next one, we'll separate out, and then we'll go through the mysteries on the next one.
1: You know what? You know what's you know what's funny? You're mentioning these Egyptian gods, and I'm looking at my computer. Um, I uh, it was so funny. I, I and I want to thank <coughs> I want to thank the listeners for real. I probably got up about half of the money I needed for a two thousand dollar computer. Uh, when I went to go get this computer for the show, I literally just typed in the requirements that it's needed for the program that I used to do the, the video and just made sure that the computer was able to handle that and really? like I really like didn't go crazy but like I, I kind of like you know very also very few came up it was just a gaming computers really that was the only thing with that. And I didn't, like, even notice until after, like, you know, I bought the computer and now the company is constantly, you know, either emailing me or now their advertisements are just popping up on everything that I go on. They want to be in your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, they got a Horus? They got a Horus computer? And then I'm like, wait, mine's a yep. set computer. Like, I didn't even realize that when I ordered it and it said set, it literally is the set, the, guy, the Egyptian god. And I yeah. started looking through their computers yeah. and they're all named after Egyptian gods. And I was like, mm-hmm. only me. And I didn't even realize I was doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the what company is it? Yo, right? What
1: company is it? CLX. Computer. Oh. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt and you, look, but I just thought that was weird. You
2: when you go online and you know you're you're clicking through the stuff, you know, you have to uh, submit.
1: <laughs> oh. You know? That's pretty right, funny. True. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. and something like I to wanted to, to ask you about <laughs> this uh, Egyptian stuff, you had mentioned it before. I mm. have often wondered, like, uh, you know, and sometimes you can see, like you were saying, in difference in times, even stuff with the art or God's mm. names or which ones might have been more prevalent at that time. Have you ever wondered if it's like um, you're being told almost the same thing but in a different mm. dialect now because somebody else yeah. is telling their twist of it?
2: Yeah. And I think if you go through and you look back through the Chaldean and the, uh, the Phoenician and, and a lot of these Mesopotamian um, philosophies, um, the Sumerian, um, they all entail aspects um, relating to Egypt. And, and this story of the, um, the dying and risen God is something that you consistently see throughout all cultures it's almost Um, like the
1: heroes what is that the hero's tale or whatever they call it the hero's journey journey it's almost something like that as well
2: well and it's kind of a union philosophy of going into you know the dark or doing the shadow work basically and then being born it's the whole bin bin um bird the the phoenix you know where essentially what is it every 500 years the phoenix dies and then from its own ashes you know it kind of rises and so it's uh and I think that, you know, even even when you look more holistically, like cosmically, um, you know, the sun uh, being raw in, in the Egyptian um, basically dies, was seen to die essentially every day. And and then the sun would be in the underworld and be reborn every morning. Mm-hmm. So it's this, con- this conceptual process, you know, of, and then you have the fire at night. So you have the two diametric flames of the, flame of the day and the flame of the night and there was different operation methods with those flames you know so it's it's just interesting um but that all comes down to the death and the consistent rebirth which which you know and it's the alchemical as above so below so if if they see the systems um then the gods a function like the outer systems and hence you have this death and rebirth pattern consistently coming around you oh, know yeah, for sure yeah
3: yeah we're seeing that a lot right now like in the current times a lot of mm-hmm. symbolism with that right especially around number eight and the phoenix and whatnot
2: yeah yeah
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's uh yeah it's but yeah. i just think that um diametrically through the whole fractal line hologram that it's like just part of the the programming of what it is to be human you know i mean us you know as ourselves even we're born into the world you know the world's a mystery and then we die and then you know the the concept of life after death or being reborn you know it's uh but even within all the religions you know um the idea of you know they have the the reborn this and the reborn that and you know like george w bush you know they, they asked him if he was reborn and he, you know, so, but, and even within mythicism, you know, um, once, once you get, you know, have that sacrificial bull, that blood is the essential sacrifice that is the fluid that allows, you know, the system to regenerate and, and come anew and, and back to the blood in the ground, you know, back to Cain and Abel, you know, spilling the blood, um, that blood in the ground facilitates, um, nutrients, which put forth new shoots, so you, you have this consistent um, dying and, and rebirth. You know the snake shedding its skin, you know, and and its many lives. Yeah, yeah. So I like
1: that. <laughs> I wonder, you know, just just. just thinking because of what you were saying i wonder mm-hmm. if like a battlefields or like maybe places where like a large amount of people die do, i mean that does mm-hmm. sound creepy but do like oh, yeah. do they tend to those areas tend to grow better vegetation you know like yeah. uh, is that actually like fertilizer could blood and human remains yeah. actually yeah. like be good fertilizer well
2: and when you weird does that do. sounds. Oh, yeah. No, if you have a garden, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody that, that grows a garden, um, when you go to the feed, farm and feed store, um, you get blood meal and you yeah. get bone meal. And these are things that you put on your garden for nutrients. So, I mean, and and then you look at like um, Gettysburg or any of these places where mass amounts of, of blood has been spilled on the ground. I would imagine it was, it would, but also you know, during when, when, uh, Cain killed Abel, um, and, and Yahweh comes and he's like, you know, the blood cries out to me from the ground, you know? So, and it was always traditionally seen that the spilling of the blood on the ground, like the, you know, when you spill a, a drink for your homies, I was just going like, to
1: say that. Is that the same? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, basically you're, you're spilling <laughs> it onto the ground and you're, you're giving it to the ancestors. Um, you know, and even in um a lot of uh Mesopotamian and even up into Roman times, um some of the Britannia and, and they actually would have um under the dining table, they would have two they would bury their dead under the, the house, right? And they would have feeding tubes um where they would actually um pour um you know uh like to, to their dead. So they God. would feed the dead in the underworld. So it's this consistent practice of giving the dead in the underworld sustenance so that they can maintain their substance and not be, not be forgotten, not you know, be lost in the, in the sands of time. So it was this idea of preserving them in your memory, giving them actual physical sustenance, you know. Do you think um, and maybe it, it they even, thought it
1: kept them tethered, in a sense, to that body still and didn't you totally gotta get to out? You got
2: to wonder. Because, like, if somebody's trying to ascend, it's like, why you keep... Yo, stop leaving me food. I want to get, wanna get out of here. Stop me. <laughs> you no, know, stop feeding me. I don't yeah. give a
0: shit
1: about your honey <laughs> and myrrh anymore. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, but, you, but that's the whole
2: thing, you know. When you get into... Um, the idea of this uh this underworld or this uh netter world you know um it relates right into the primordial foundings of how reality came into existence right um so in egypt you have uh the netter right which was the net the nether world or it's similar to to being neutered netter Um, which means to remove or to be in a state of absence where nothing exists. So you're basically in the void, right? I was just thinking the same um, word, the void. <laughs> right, right. And, and so um, this was where, in the, in the Netter, this was essentially where the Egyptian um, gods dwelt. So you have this idea of them being, you know, um, much like Inky, in the absu or the abyss, you know, the netter, um, it actually means gods or spirit or soul. Ab- so you almost have like this cosmic soul that exists in the nothingness. You abyss. mentioned the absu? The absu, yeah. yeah that and, that, be, and that's you know, what
1: the word for the abyss?
2: That's um, like Enki in the Sumerians, in the Sumerian text, okay. the absu is uh, the abyss,
1: I, This This is how random my mind is. I don't know if it's because I'm stoned or what, but, you know, I just, I do think, like, sometimes just random stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, Morbid Angel, Covenant album. I remember them mentioning, I think, Absu on there, That's and true. I never understood, even as a kid, because, like, back yeah. in the day, you used to get these albums, they actually had the lyrics in them, so you could see exactly oh, yeah. the crazy shit they were saying. I oh, read yeah. all that stuff, and I was like, what the hell all these names? Where is this stuff coming from? You yeah. know, and I do know, that's funny, that I have, like, I think even uh, watched a few interviews about them to see, like, what they were kind of into. And one of them was heavily into Sumerian and Kabbalah. So yeah. now now you said Apsu. I remember for a fact hearing yeah. that in one yeah. of their songs. So there you go. And there's so that's Sumerians. the abyss. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Talking about dwelling in the abyss, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, um, as, as a vinyl head... I appreciate the uh, the album artwork and the foldouts and the inserts oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the the submersive experience that you can't get from all this digital stuff and even the CDs kind of ruined
1: a lot of that you know um, yeah that was cool stuff it's like you, you got something and it was like a journey you took as you listened to it you read everything you looked at yeah, it yeah absolutely enhanced
3: the whole experience right right It was like, it was
1: like Ralphie when he had his little Dakota pin trying to, uh, on Christmas story, (laughs) you know, you're like immersing yourself (laughs) into the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And, and well, that's the, the process of being initiated into these things. Oftentimes that people don't even realize that they're participating with, you know, yeah. Yeah.
3: actually when when you're describing, uh, what you were just saying before, it made me think of this old video game I used to have on like. The computer like on a Windows computer hmm. called the Neverhood. Oh, yeah, have I you guys heard game. of it? Yeah, I solved it. It's yeah. like claymation. Yeah, I was yeah. like obsessed with this game, and it's yeah, all about so like going cool. through the underworld and, and like, puzzles. Yeah, and, I yeah. was obsessed with it. I played it yeah. when I was like 12.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that kind of also gets into the idea of, you know, the Egyptians, like after you die, um, you take the path of Osiris, where you basically, you know, go through the underworld and travel through the cosmos, and you have to go through all these gates, you know, where you have to know the signs and the symbols and the passwords, and, and otherwise you you get lost in the abyss, or that, yeah. you know, that, the absu. Exactly. <laughs> So now the, these gods in the netter, right? Um, they were essentially neutered or sexless, right? And um, let's see.
1: That's um, like the, yeah. uh, who are those sullied? In, uh, the unsullied. The unsullied. Yeah. In
3: Game of Thrones. Even when Robbie was describing like feeding the blood and like to the dead, I was like, that's like Game of Thrones when they clean their yeah. sword to yeah. the, uh, the, those trees. I forget what those trees are called.
2: Uh, Remember? I yeah I stopped watching uh, Walking Dead when they started killing people instead of zombies.
1: Oh no, we're talking about uh, no Game
3: of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones. They clean off their swords <laughs> in front of these certain trees, and then they say that the blood feeds the, blood. the tree. Yeah, and they have yeah. the
2: faces. That's yeah, the very, ones with
3: the faces.
1: Yeah, weird Weirwood tree. That's what they right. call it.
2: That, to me, that was very Druidic.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, Robert, you can blame me for Walking Dead because I'm probably the last person. I was probably the only person to watch them for the last five years. And they just kept it going for me. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Because they really killed that show, but I still watched it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know, you know. It depends on uh, how attached we get to these things. There's, you know, it's it's hard to get past some things when they're a part of your essence, you know, at certain parts of your life, you know. It's... uh, So now within this this Netter world, right, um, all of these gods were animated and existed within the all-encompassing mother, Ma'at, right? And um, Ma'at is essentially where we get the word matter. So, you know, um, birthing forth um, from the void, coming into form, like in that transition right Um, now in this netter world um, was essentially um, like the void of the chaos and you know we hear a lot of the talk about the monsters swimming in the depths and you know these these various forms of chaos that are shadowy forms within the the, the waters of, of the void, you know. In different cultures, we hear about this, right? Um, in the Egyptians, there was actually eight of these um, shadowy forms that were participating with this water of the void, right? Um, and they were called the Agduad, right? And um, they're oftentimes seen as um like frogs or bullfrogs um, basically perched around the edge of this cha- these, these waters of chaos right So when we have this whole um, when you see uh, keck within the modern memes, yes. um, I think that they're they're relating back to these frogs that are existing around this water, you know, this water of chaos, okay. um, and and we do actually have the names of these uh, these different um, frog entities, right? That are that are um, persisting with this chaos. Um, you have.
1: Oh, hu- I, do, I do want to add real quick, and I'm sure you've probably heard me say it plenty of times, but it's it's funny how you're saying right now the frog is kind of associated with chaos, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a, exactly what I keep saying all the time about this movie, Mother, with an exclamation Right. People, when you
2: see the frog... The frog jumps... Yeah,
1: to. the frog... She opens up the door, the frog jumps through, she closes yep. the door, and now it's like World War Three in five minutes in the house.
2: Yep. And I think if you... If a lot of shows, when the frogs show up, that things do begin to get chaotic. And even in Egypt, you know, one of the plagues, um, they have the frogs come in. You know, so it's, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. The frog is, and I don't know, you know. Um, a few years after Pepe, it
1: definitely got chaotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and you got to wonder, you know, where that came from and what that really was and how those meme acts on, you know, they act on the psyche. Because a lot of people really <laughs> take these things almost to the extent of being religious about it as far as taking on the... Personification taking on, you know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild, man.
1: I've even said uh, just recently we had a Lee from Inner Guardians on uh, on my show, mm-hmm. a great, uh, great episode. People haven't uh, listened to it, go check it out. Um, I had we got got onto talismans and sigils for like real quick, and I had even said, I have wondered like if somehow, like, deep deck, deep back in the dark, you know, parts of our mind. You know, do we all just kind of like run on like symbolisms and shapes and like geometry, kind of? Oh yeah. And like, do some symbols that are just used regardless if you even know what the hell it even means? Mm-hmm. Is it going to trigger something in you anyway? Primal. Because like yeah. somehow like your your mind or your consciousness yeah. still acknowledges that even though you have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Well,
3: I think that's the whole point of symbolism.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, usually, right? And and I almost feel like. um some of these symbols have been around so long, you know, going back to pre-Diluvian times even. And, um, you know, you got the whole monarch program um, with with the Nazis. um, And and it's just interesting, the idea of genetic memory and how, um, you know, it's like a, a baby, you know, chicken. When they first hatch, if they're out in the backyard walking around, if they see a hawk fly overhead, they will automatically drop down and it's instilled in them like genetically the knowledge of those predators. Um, and, and even with, um, mice and laboratories, um, there is some evidence that, uh, they can teach a mouse to run the maze and then it's offspring already have some pre-knowledge of the pattern of the maze. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, and then you look at the idea of suppressing that, you know, through the, the many machinations of dividing us from ourselves that modern society, you know, feed us. It's, uh, it makes you wonder, I mean, because even with, uh, you know, MKUltra and, and working with Project Monarch and getting into all that stuff, you know, it's, it, it gets pretty interesting when you start looking at the ideas of genetic memory, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, even mm-hmm. even you talking about Monarch and, you know, bringing it back to what the topic was, mm-hmm. I mean, that can go back to a butterfly, which again, you know, is but, a symbol well, of yes. death and rebirth.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, but that's where the Project Monarch actually comes from, is the Monarch butterfly.
1: You and, know, and doesn't that migrate to Mexico? Don't they? Right? Right? Mm-hmm. So I, the I just saw that recently, and it reminded me, yeah. I knew that before, and I was like, there's got to be something behind that, right. too, with Monarch.
2: It will take generations of those butterfly um, to reach back to their breeding ground, you know, and then essentially once they go down there and do their thing, then they turn around and they fly back north, but it's through multiple generations, and somehow they. They seem, you know, and you, you could get into magnetic, global magnetic patterns like the birds with the hematite in their brains kind of following the, the patterns of the earth as far as flying north and south. But it's the belief that there is essentially through that mon- the study of the monarch butterfly, it's the belief that there is genetic memory. So, you know, I, I think that over the course of, of many millennia um, that these symbols have been used um, and instilled in what we are, and it's almost to the to the point that it's part of the structure of the matrix it, itself, you know, and 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 how the programming of the physical reality is, you know? I mean, as far as the geometry and, and especially when you get into sigils and, you know, you take the name and you follow and you create and then that's the base symbol, you know, and then you go and that, that entity will essentially give you an even more you know, detailed method of of contacting them. So I think that these geometries and these types of angles and arcs, um, you know, are part of the inherent human programming of who we are, you know, and in, in recognition of symbols. You know?
3: Yeah. I've always wondered that too, with like past lives. How much of it is past lives and how much of it is ancestral memory.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You know, yeah. well, and and that's the whole thing. You know, there used to be um like a you know mimetic hallucinogenic honey um, that they would basically um you know fill the body with this honey um, and then just ate mushrooms in it and then they would roll the body over and, and drain the honey out. And it was like this putrefied kind of blue honey. And then when the when the initiates would take the honey, um, they would essentially get the powers of their ancestor and that connection to the universe. So it was believed that they were actually assimilating the knowledge and the power and the all the yeah, the, yeah into themselves. Like so te- and shit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm glad the OTO never handed me a cup of blue honey. I'm yeah, out of you with that shit. <laughs> no.
2: um, so now these uh, these gods or these uh, not gods but these uh, these frog entities that existed within the chaos, right? Um, we have formlessness, right? Which were represented by Huck and Hucked, H U K and H U K T. And then we have darkness, which was was represented by Kuk and Kukt, K-U-K and K-U-K-T, right? And then we have hiddenness, which was represented by Amun and Amunt. And then we have the waters, which were represented by Nun. And then we have the consort of the waters, which was Nunet, so these were the eight essential frogs that were, that were um, participating and swimming in this chaos before time and space came to be.
1: You said, did you mention Huck as the first one?
2: H-U-K, yeah. Being formlessness. You Huck know, and
1: Huck. I just recently, not too long ago, and I probably would have never even have caught this if I didn't cover it. I covered Edward Lansdale. And he was, mm-hmm. like, a CIA, like, he was kind of like the Aquino before Aquino. Yeah. sense.
2: Dude, that's, he's an interesting character. Oh,
1: hell yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I covered it on my own and just did a short for, like, 45 minutes. Oh, so I yeah. could easily have done hours on this guy. But mm-hmm. he was part of, like, a psyop in the Philippines that was trying to mind, mind screw with the Huck yeah. Rebellion. Ah.
0: The H-U-K.
1: <laughs> Rebellion that they were saying were communists that were basically right. just farmers who were like, "I'm not down with your fascism. Get the hell out of here." Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: that's all they really were. But they cook, yeah. they labeled them the Hucks. So yeah. that's that's really interesting. Uh.
2: And you gotta wonder if that's what they called themselves, or if that's what the uh, that's somebody else gave
1: them. Yeah, chose the name
2: to give them. Yeah. Um, but that's and when you see in uh, the movie Apocalypse Now, right, um, when the helicopters are flying with the speakers and they're blaring the music, they weren't blaring music in the actual um, in the actual case. Um, they were actually uh, they had speakers set up. And they were uh, putting out, like, these swirling, honking... <laughs> I
1: played some and- of the tape yeah, on the show. Yeah. yeah, it was some weird stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my
1: God. It was, like, echoes mm-hmm. and, like, voices yep. layered and them telling them they're going to be cursed and weird shit.
2: Yep. And the, the, that was the dead coming back and... <laughs> you know, getting yeah. into their, their vampiric, um, myth, mythos.
1: I think they were like that. saying like, uh, like we help them and we can't leave until they're destroyed yeah. or something like yeah. that. So you got to stop. Helping well, but,
2: them. And again, that comes back <laughs> to the ideas of perception, okay. you know, it's like, what do you take into your mind as a belief system? You know, um, it's, it's uh, the old concept of the reality tunnel, you know, that uh, Robert Anton Wilson talks about. It's like and, – and they've even taken case studies, you know, where they've switched conservatives with liberals' news sources. And usually after about uh, three to four weeks, the conservative will be a complete liberal and the liberal will be a complete conservative, you know. So it's – you know, we really have to be conscious – of, uh, of what we allow to enter into our mind and, and consciously participate with it rather than just allowing it to flow through us, you know, without, without, uh, being aware of it,
1: you know, I mean, listen, I'll I'll even say, you know, just, just from being on social media, I don't know if it's because of QAnon or whatever it was, but like Mm -hmm. I watched people like on the right for years go on about like certain, you know, trannies and this and that, you know, bashing whatever. And then all of a sudden, Caitlyn Jenner says I might run for whatever as a Republican. And everybody just totally forgot what they were saying about that dude. Probably three days ago in their own freaking account. All of a sudden.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The party line.
1: I'm like, how did that just happen?
2: Yeah. Well, and I find it interesting also, you know, that, uh, Like through the course of going into Ukraine, all of the liberals that have, you know, traditionally been anti-war are all behind, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just interesting how they, you know, through weaponized anthropology, they essentially use our uh, own, you know, heart against our ourself
1: oh yeah yes. i i watched new york within a matter of weeks uh, turn you know basically trade in de blasio for a black trump in my opinion yeah, yeah. I mean, like, all yeah. you got is a guy up there who just runs his mouth. He blames the news for lying, too, just like Trump does. Yeah. He doesn't really seem to do much. He loves himself and talks about himself and thinks he's the shit. I'm like, you yeah. literally just voted in the same person you've been shitting on for the last four years as president, you know, yeah. for a yeah. president. Well, but since he's think- black, it's okay and he's a Democrat. But it's right, the same right. personality. You're getting the same person. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and, you know, at a certain point, they're all co-opted, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, this all comes down to the idea of theater, you know. And and I think uh, even going back to a lot of what these godheads were, you know, these gods and demigods on Earth, um, this was essentially a form of theater, you know, for the propagation and maneuvering of mass populations, you know. And, and I think we see that consistently, you know, um, just, just the migration and the, the different, um, you know, similarities and the gods changing names, moving from one culture to another, you know. Um, and, and even um, early on when Cush um, um, brought the Ethiopian um, religion into Egypt, you know, um, in Ethiopia, they said that the, you know, the Ethiopians were like a simple people that had a beautiful life. And then when Kush came in and he set up and established the worship of the gods, um, that, you know, um, they became, um, like basically just bound up in the ideas of what the theater was rather than participating with the beauty of the earth as they had been, you know? So, you know, when, when we bring these mind memes in, you know, much like Keck and much like, you know, I mean, all these, you know, the memes essentially started through military intelligence, you know, and I, I'll, you know, I make some memes every now and then I think they're funny. You know, a lot of people, they, they don't,
0: <laughs> but, but,
2: you know, whatever, man. It's just, uh, it's, you know, like all of us, we look into the void and we try to find, um, something within ourself, you know, so that we have some sort of semblance of what we think reality is, you know? And, and I think that, that all these different memes from the political memes to the religious memes to, you know, whatever it is you want to get into Pokemon or magic, or, you know, they're all some sort of thing where we're trying to find some truism that, that, you know, we can see within ourselves you know? So, but, but that's the thing, you know, um, a lot of these forces, um, they're not there to help you. You know they're there to basically take your energy and and maneuver it and and use it for their own forces. You know, and I and I wonder how much uh, like the apotheosis of George Washington and the Capitol Dome. You know, it, it's like how much is it with the belief in in you know this propagation of this Roman state um, precipitates into. Um, the manifestation of a new form of a thought form being this, this risen God of, of George Washington and his new apotheosized state, you know, I mean, are we still in the process of create like in a thousand years, are they going to be like this George Washington character, you know, and, and you read some of the native American stuff and like, you know, they, they couldn't shoot him with arrows. Like, you know, he was impervious to bullets. Like there's all kinds of even, you know, like godlike mythos in his earth. So, you know, what is theater and and what is reality? You know,
3: mm.
2: yeah. Good. So nothing's changed basically. Point. Nothing. <laughs> changed. Nothing new under the sun.
3: Ever. Yeah. You know? that's crazy.
2: Um. So now, um, within these eight uh, frog entities, right? Um, one of them, Amun, right? Um, who was the hiddenness? of the chaos right um he basically um steps out um of a there's a pillar of light that rises out of the chaos okay and this is the same story that we see as far as uh the circumpunct as far as the chaos and the, the electric light of Lucifer shining forth that theosophy talks about as far as illuminating. Yeah. Illuminating 7 billion, you know, heavens. Um, basically it's the idea of, of this, uh, this light emerging from chaos or the idea of the big bang, even, you know, something coming from nothing. Right. And, and from this pillar of light that came out of this void, um, Amun basically stepped out of the pillar of light in, and he stepped onto a primordial mound, like in the, the sea of chaos. So, you know, he basically manifest, you know um, what is uh, Robert flood? Um, he says that, you know um, the darkness um, illuminated itself in order to attain consciousness, you know, so so basically um, this is like the first um, almost like the Adam Cadman um, of, of, you know, the platonic universals where this is the the original form in the heavens that would be the template for the building of what the human was on the earthly plane. You right.
1: Know, it's wild. Like, I got to stop you there because mm. you're just saying more and more that <laughs> I wanted to add to. <clears throat> As you're talking about this, you're talking about Amun, right?
2: Right, Amun.
1: Uh, Amun Amun-Ra would go with Chesed, which is the fourth sphere on the Tree of Life. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that is the first sphere that comes out of coming into this world. The third would be, you know, crossing into or coming into this world. So four is also a good way to explain Chesed, the difference between Chesed and Binah, in my opinion. Binah would be the thought of the chair. Ed would be the blueprint of the chair,
0: Yeah.
1: you know, yeah. just like you just said, the blueprint of man. So, like, I can see the resemblance how Chesed also, when you mentioned electricity, is a lower arc of chokma. I do think that Ed is like the abundance of energy coming into this world. And when you cross over into the abyss, I think that energy starts to become as raw as electric. Right, so like everything you're saying, I can actually see it matching up with the tree of life with the way I look at it. So it's actually pretty, pretty wild and bizarre.
2: Also, um, this this pillar of light, right? Um, If you if you trace that pillar of light, um, one of the terms for a pillar of light is a Lucas or Lucas. So when you when you have George Lucas, you know that that lightsaber. yeah, and he has the pillar, the lightsaber. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, so Lucas actually means pillar of light.
1: You know? Oh wow! Oh, I gotta tell that to uh, yeah. Conspiracy Kyle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then you think, Robbie, too? That's what an obelisk could represent.
2: Yeah, the ob- Well, the obelisk. Um, I know
3: it's a, you know with the myth the, of uh, Osiris, right?
2: Osiris, right? Right, right. Um, but it, it is um, very much um, a pillar or a shaft.
3: Yeah. Know? either one <laughs>
2: yeah yeah you know? right um, yeah yeah it's uh and and then also now amun he calls himself um the hidden one right and um later on we see when nimrod the elder um in in virgil he talks about Latinus showing up um and and talking to juno and juno sends Latinus to italy to set up and Latinus. Um, is the hidden one as well, which becomes Latin, and and is the foundation of the Latin
3: language. I was going to say, is that where Latin, the language, yeah, comes from? Yeah,
2: directly. Yeah.
3: Wow.
2: So there's, you know, and Lee and I on uh, subconscious realms, you know, we've been going into after the fall of the Tower of Babel, um, how essentially Phineas Farside, you know, brought the furball into Ireland. and, and, you know, bringing the Celtic language. And then you have Nimrod the Elder going into Italy, bringing the Latinus language. And, you know, there's even mentions of... uh, Kali at the Tower of Babel in the Book of Invasions, Um, there's mention. So, you know, it's just interesting to see when the tongues were divided and how these different languages, you know, and and again, back to Latinus um, calling himself the hidden one, just like um, Amun, you know. Mm -hmm.
3: What did you say about Phineas? And then there was a companion you said as well.
2: Oh, Phineas Fairside. That was uh, he was basically the guy that brought the Ferbog into Ireland oh. um, to overthrow the uh, uh, Tootenanan. Oh,
3: well, because there's a di- really popular like Disney cartoon called Phineas and Ferb. Huh. And that was a show for like a long time. I right. <laughs> it's right an now. odd name, right? To yeah.
2: Phineas, yeah. Yeah,
3: and Ferb yeah. is his companion.
2: Right. Yeah, I bet you there's there's gotta be something there if you dig dig deep enough, you know. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so now um this amun character, right, who eventually we do see because linking in with Ra um becoming Amun Ra and basically being the sun, right? Um but now Amun um and Atun um they came together, right? And um they basically produce children right um but let's see uh i passed up ma let's talk about ma real quick for a second or actually let's just go into amun okay uh,
0: 200
2: yeah i
1: think i threw you off with ma i interrupted yeah you. i wasn't paying
2: attention i need to pay more attention to my notes <laughs> so, it sounds good yeah so uh let's see amun was the okay so yeah amun we talked about him already as being the hidden one right um basically i was going to go into atum and atum was called atem or tim right and um he basically or it it, now you got to figure it's it's they have no sexes at this point right so these are just uh sexless energy energies that are in the net or or the netherworld, right? Um, and Atun, um, Atem, or Tim, created itself um, by saying its name. So basically through the course of, you know, and here we have the idea of the uh, the uh, power of the, the vocal element as far as bringing things into form through our own, you know, saying them. Right. And that's why a lot of mantras and like people, you know, will constantly say things to themselves. And I think that, that the speaking is one of the fundamental methods of intoning that vibration into reality. That is the beginning of the process of manifesting and, and bringing forth actual form, you know? So, um, let's see. And, uh, a tomb is associated with the evening sun and a tomb is also said to be born from a blue lotus and if you get into the blue lotus in egypt right um it actually has um some um like uh, amphetamine like qualities and it also has some hallucinogenic qualities and and basically it was a common plant that was smoked um, or ingested during this time um, to achieve altered states of consciousness and even in some of the stuff based around solomon's temple um, we see blue lotuses you know so um, the blue lotus um, was a sacred plant and um, Atum was was basically born from this blue lotus and um sometimes he's also shown as a serpent um or a mongoose a lion a bull a lizard or an ape so
1: yeah that's a lot of different things yeah yeah
3: a snake and a mongoose mongoose eats snakes
1: right that's weird right so, you know what's it, interesting, well, Robbie? Even even that sphere that I mentioned before, Chessa that I think—well, I mean, you probably know this. It's a blue sphere too. So I mean, you keep yeah. mentioning blue as well, like the blue lotus. You
0: yep, know? the so blue it's, lotus.
1: That'll be very interesting. And, and
2: yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, I think that the uh, the better magicians um, or the better alchemists um, are really good at um, layering the symbolism in such a manner. Um, that the more symbols that re- interrelate to the, the thing you, you're working on, um, the, the more symbols you can stack up on top of it, the more powerful that, um, that, that force generator becomes you know what I'm saying? So, so it's interesting to see, you know, and this is some of the most you know, ancient magic going back. Um, and, and you look at, um, the ka and the ba. you know, um, being the soul and the copy of the soul that you take with you as you travel Osiris's path, you know, try much like Jacob, Jacob's ladder, you know, essentially ascending, you know, into the higher realms. Um, and, and, you know, the Ka and the Ba, and then you have the Ankh, which is life itself. And I think that that is essentially where you get Kabbalah or Kabbalah, you know. And I, I think there's a direct carry over there as far as when you have the Exodus and, and those uh, those Iberu um, basically leaving Egypt and becoming the Israelites, you know. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. Um, now let's get into this character uh, Ma'at or Ma, right, which becomes uh, directly related to Ma'at. Um, Ma'at in the beginning um, was the truth, okay? So and from the very first emergence of the first thought, um, which was the path, okay? And the path was the breather. Um, on these waters of the chaos, okay? And um, this path um, is also the breath that was breathed into the bread that made it rise, much like the leavening of the bread, right? So, and that is essentially the idea of giving the breath to the human, right? Um, Coming from ma, right? And then the breath, once, once the humans have the breath, the breath is actually associated with um, set or typhoon um, being that, that wind force that is blowing and moving and directing and forcing, you know. So um, here we already have, you know, within the, the speak, and that's why with speaking, you know, um, it can be positive or negative, you know. Um, it's, it's the force generator. Um, it's, a, it's basically a tool. You know, and set, you know, we'll talk about, you know, in the beginning he was good, um, and later he ended up becoming this idea of this almost like Satan character, you know. Um,
1: Well, I've even seen stuff uh, from, like, magicians or people into Kabbalah or whatever, when they cover uh, the word peh or the letter peh in uh, Hebrew. mm -hmm. Um, You know, that they even say, you know, how, like, all those things represent something. I, I think that might represent a tooth or whatever or people will say it can represent like teeth or a tongue but they mm-hmm. associate it with speech and they say yeah. that it actually can be like a double edged sword it's it's a right. weapon as well you know that's right. even acknowledged like oh, yeah in that way. yeah
2: and you also have to wonder how much uh, like when Jesus talks about returning with a sword if that sword is indeed the tongue you know in <laughs> regard to people actually having the courage to be able to call out the, uh, the lies and the fallacies, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting um, when you get into all these different symbols and how they, how they interreact, you know. Um, so this truth uh, of ma um, became ma'at or matter, right? And it was through the course of creating truth and justice and this divine law of order Um, that allowed the uh, creation to facilitate, Um, basically um, using the forces of Heka or magic um, in regard to the overall turning um, of the creation um, that Ma'at was bringing into form, you know?
1: You mentioned before that she is associated with truth. I I would assume that's why she's also associated with the scales then.
2: Yes, and justice as well. Yeah cosmic justice, you know, um, and, and tracing, you know, um, truth and justice. I mean, that could be a whole show on itself, man. Um, all the different, you know, symbolic representations and the different goddesses that, um, but it, it, it is, um, mostly related to the divine feminine aspect, um, where we see the ideas of, truth and justice and balance because um almost like uh, the idea of the leviathan um being killed and salted and being the creation of matter itself um in order for um physics essentially to happen there has to be a divine you know justice a divine um you know uh equilibrium you know for the scales so that that reality can even exist because, you know, like they say, if one, one little thing was off, you know, none of this could have manifested, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. One thing I did want to mention too, when you uh, mentioned Mott, uh, and this is kind of like totally off of what you were saying, but it is something I have thought about recently and just looking at like a lot of the, uh, metals when you look on the tree of life. She is associated, I think, with brass, or you can use copper, but I think brass is more of her thing. You know, brass, copper, silver, and gold all conduct electricity. And then if you look at other metals that are on other sides of the tree, they all Mm. work real well with gravity, very heavy. Yeah. So you have, (laughs) you know, and you have to wonder about that. You know, why is it so heavy? Maybe yep. it's just really stuck here in this world. Yeah, and then you yeah. have electricity, which is something like very different. It's just, uh,
2: well, and almost the heaviness moves down and the, the etheric aspects of electricity move up. Yes. So you have this, again, the yin and the yang, the cyclic, the positive, the balance. I even think sometimes form. like on
1: the world card where there's like, kind of like that whole
2: oh, circle, yeah.
1: I, I think you can yep. see that in a sense, or even with maybe, um, you know, that Zodiac sign.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so from Amun and Atun, right, um, they gave birth to Shu and Tefnut, okay? And Shu is essentially air. And if we take the alchemical symbol for air, it's the triangle with the line through it, right? And then Tefnut was moisture which we can associate with water, which is the downward-facing triangle. Mm -hmm. So essentially, we're already um, taking alchemical elements of the upward movement of the air and the downward movement of the moisture, and we're combining them together to um, facilitate creation or manifestation.
1: Yo, that, right. that's amazing right there. I, I, I just want to add, like, I've even tried to explain that on my own show recently. I mm. think it might have been talking about with peaks. I don't know what it was. But I was saying that, like, you know, one side you have fire. One side you have water. In the middle pillar you have air. Air rises. When yes. does it become, when does it start to fall? When it gets condensed, turns into a cloud, right. turns into the water, and then falls back down. Right. You can literally, like, that's the same way I think the spirit works.
2: Yeah. Helter-skelter, man. <laughs> You know, um, so now with Shu and Tefnut, we have this upward and downward facing triangle, right? And their children were Geb and Nuet, okay? And Geb is earth, which is the downward facing triangle with the line through it. And then Nuet is sky, which in the sky we have the sun, which is the fire symbol. So again, we have um, the downward facing and the upper, but opposite, of Shu and Tefnut. So we have, you know, the two forms bringing and merging opposite of each other. And through that um, that manifestation, they brought forth um, Isis, Osiris, Set, and Nefti, right? And Geb and Nut were the parents. Earth and Sky were the parents of... These uh, first pri- uh, primordial gods that were essentially in the physical world itself.
3: Well, this is very much like the Greek story of like Uranus and Gaia, and then they first the main gods.
2: Yes, yes, and you almost have to. I mean, with the Greek, uh, the the different uh, philosophers within Greece going to Egypt to participate in the mysteries. Um, you almost, I mean, even even in uh, the Greek um, culture, there is a reference to one of the offspring of Kronos as being Osiris. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, yeah, you mm-hmm. have a direct. And then um, there was also other uh, links we'll get into later that they associated other gods as well with Osiris.
3: Yeah, and I think there is one mythological story where the Greek gods, like, take animal forms and then flee to Egypt. Mm. Yeah. 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 Interesting.
2: Yeah. It, well, and that's uh same story in Ethiopia as well, um, where they basically went to Egypt to hide out. Um, and there's a direct correlation between all these animal-headed gods yes. Yes. and Ethiopian gods and all the animal-headed gods in Egypt and the Greek gods. So you see these, uh, you know, uh, what's it called, uh, correspondences um, directly.
0: Correlations.
2: Yeah, correlations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
3: Everyone goes to hide in Egypt, even Jesus. Right. When he was a baby.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a yeah. hideout. So now let's see, let me get to where we're at here. Um, Okay. So me get, now we're going to talk about ISIS. Oh yeah. So ISIS, um, you know, she has the whole um, idea that, um, you know, no one may ever lift her veil and, and, and see her true energies, um, as far as, because it's, it's beyond the understanding essentially of, of that, the human mind, you know, to conceptualize the idea of all of creation and balance and all the, you know, justice in the world, um, from the negative happenings to the positive happenings and, and just nature itself, you know, I mean, d- nature itself is the divine mystery, you know, that that we sprung forth from, you know, so, so Isis. No, real um, quick,
1: Robbie, I was like sitting here laughing. Cause as you're saying that the first thing that popped into my head was Dave Matthews mm-hmm. band when he's telling her, uh, lift up your skirt and show the world to me. I, I've often, no, I've often thought that that's exactly all that song is talking, he's talking about. about.
3: I was obsessed yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. No, that is <laughs> that, because it's very, it reminds me very much yeah, of, of green no, is exactly. the color
1: by Pink Floyd. Again, he's talking about a woman in the light shining through a dress. Yep, yep. You know, you got to pull, you got to pull open blood. that veil to peek back yeah. to see what's going to peek on.
2: Into it, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, um, uh, oftentimes, uh, people that, that delve into this void, you know, you either come back in, in one of two States, you either come back, um, with the heightened awareness uh, and consciousness, or you come back completely insane. You're Kanye you know? West. <laughs>
1: that's an. That's over and abusing uh, those. experiences well, you gotta wonder
2: what they were, you know, as far as that handler and oh, putting yeah. him. in What they were actually like putting him on, as far as see,
1: that's that's the know. whole thing. It's like, did it was this done to him? Did he did, did he do it to himself? It's like so. I can't even like yeah, that guy. You, it's such a rabbit hole to try to figure out. <laughs>
2: Well, I think on a certain level, you know, as a young, eager artist, you know, you're looking for a doorway into the system. And and the people that are offered that, um, it's the whole Faustian bargain, man, you know. Um, and, and the fact that this guy's calling out Kanye on Twitter and talking about we're going to throw you back in the institution, um, and he's directly related to, you know, the Canadian... Um, uh, you know operations during the time of mk ultra and and it's just interesting man you know um again coming back to the theater you know and using these these rock idols these you know these demigods on earth um to basically take people's attention you know and you nailed
1: it right there yeah. demigods yeah. on earth wow
2: you know yeah yeah <sighs> Um, but, but even like, uh, you know, William Burroughs, he used to talk about the fact that like the mind or the pyramids in general, but the Mayan pyramids mostly is what he talked about, um, were attention stealers. They were, they were essentially to take you away from nature and to bring you into this, this system of, of human machinations, you know, and, and the Mayan calendar every day you would wake up and it tells you what the symbols are. And then those are the things that you're supposed to think about on that day and the way that you're supposed to act and participate with oh, reality. Yeah. So, you know, he, he William Burroughs says that the Mayan calendar was one of the first uh, mind control devices on the planet.
1: You know, you very like programming.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Interesting. You know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But but what do we do? We wake up and, you know, we do our ten minutes of browsing through social media and then all the the you know news of the day basically tells us all the things that we need to gestate on and take to, to build up our ten minutes of hate yeah. so that we can go do our job and take our soma and participate in, in the machine, you know. It's uh yeah, yeah. It's a cog in the wheel, you know. It's, it's, uh, I, hate to, I hate to sound too – but, dude, I had the corporate job back in the day, man, and it's a soul killer, you know.
3: Um, For sure. That's yeah, yeah. what we're seeing right now with that Buffalo Bills player, DeMar Hamlin. Mm, I, don't know. I don't know what is going on with that, but there is something afoot. It is not – kosher
1: (laughs) yeah i noticed like a lot of weird stuff with numbers and stuff like that
3: yeah well and just the idea like you were saying you know robbie about like celebrities and athletes being like demigods on earth and i think that's especially true of football because they are like these gladiators it reminds me of like the gladiatorial or very very much much.
2: bread and circus
3: right and like that he he gets hit he basically died on the field like basically and now I don't know if he's really alive or not, but like they're making it seem like this whole resurrection story, holding up the hearts, the three, 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 and six, six is everywhere. God, this
2: whole heart thing. I'm also starting to notice a lot of bots on um, Instagram and Twitter that are adding me that have this earth on the bottom with a little red heart on it. And for some reason, I'm like, something's up with that. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure what it is, but I, I keep having to block them.
3: Yeah, know? I just feel like there's a whole ritual happening. Or that, yeah. it was something that really I happened think, and they're making a ritual out of it. It's crazy. Well, as and as as what, as as
2: what, as. what also kind of gets me is, uh, you know, this one thing happens on, on but it's, this has been going on with the soccer overseas. But nobody
3: made like, like such a production out of right? that,
2: right? And, and we're looking at, I mean, depending on the list you look at, you know, it's over a 1,000 up to 1,400 that they're saying this has happened to and not a peep from what's supposed to be the fourth pillar of democracy to inform the citizens so that they can make informed choices in regard to their governance.
3: The watchdog of the government is not uh, watching.
2: uh, (laughs) Well, and who watches, who watches the watchdogs, you know, that's gotta be us. Supposed to be. I mean, but that's the whole thing, you know, when they, when they, uh, take anybody that has more information that they want to deal with and they throw this idea of conspiracy theory on them. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, interesting psychological phenomenon. And I just think that that term is when somebody use it, uses it, that they are, uh, presenting one of the most anti-educational statements that a person can make. It's like, it's a, it's a shut down the conversation to, to disallow the expression of ideas to basically, you know, basically say, you're a kook. You know, and we know that this was through the Freedom of Information Act was introduced. You know, as a form of um, shutting down the opposition. You know, so it's uh, again back to theater. I mean, it's a, in the, the theater of war essentially. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's get into ISIS here. <laughs> um, Okay, so in the early, now in the early days of Egypt, right, there was this goddess called Sopdet, S-O-P-D-E-T, and she was known as the triangle or the sharp one, and she used for, she used the solar calendar, and she kept the year with the celebration of what they called the Wep-Rent, rennet the Web rennet right and this was essentially the the new year the egyptian new year um, and as a goddess she was based around fertility and the yearly flood of the nile and the rise of sirius the dog star and she was also a psychopomp who the Soptet guided the deceased pharaohs through the egyptian underworld right and eventually this Soptet was completely absorbed um, by the mystical ISIS and was how ISIS took on a lot of what most people think she is now, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to this uh, SOP debt. So um, let's see. Uh, and sh- she as well was associated with the flood, um, ISIS was, um, and was also um, following Sirius. Um, being the resurrector of the Egyptians. And now the Egyptians, um, they would make small mummies, right? Um, and this is, this is later on after the death of, Os- of Osiris, right? Um, but they would make these small mummies that would be filled with corn. And then they would water these corn dollies or these corn little mummies. And when the corn would sprout forth, um, they would essentially see that as Horus being risen anew. Through this, through this uh, little corn edifice, you know, and corn, you have to figure corn in the in Egyptian times. Um, a lot of people more related to wheat, um, but we do actually have in um, Egyptian um, bas relief carvings on walls um, actual cobs of corn, and so that in a way shows the link between South America. And the uh, the Mayans and the, the the ancient races that were there. Um, also from we see uh, also bringing from South America, they brought the pineapple and they also brought uh, cocaine with them. To <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and and when they would embalm the pharaohs, um, they would actually uh, I think it was the heart. Um, they would actually put the heart in a cocaine solution in a apothecary jar to put in the the. Uh, but the, but the cocaine was part of the ritual function of the embalming of the pharaohs. Kept the heart know. pumping. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
3: that's so but funny.
2: Now also, um, the urn, as far as within um, the ISIS mystery, right, um, and ISIS being linked in with the dog star, um, <laughs> the urn, the, our modern word for urn, U-R-N is related to the erm, U-R-M, of Egypt, right? And um, so during the inundation of the flood of the Nile, um, where the Nile was at its highest measurement in the uh, city of Elephantine, um, it generally measured consistently at about 28 URMS. Is what they would call it right and they related that directly with the moon in the 28 days of the cycle of the turning of the moon right and and they said that the fo- the flood of the nile would actually depend upon the turning of the moon and the cycle that it was in during the turning and so the potential of it being higher or lower was based on the moon in the current form it was in and then also based on the height of the Nile as it was flooding at Elephantine, they would measure it. And depending on if it were higher, they would charge more taxes because they could grow more crops because it was bringing in more silt to fertilize the crops. Whereas if it was lower than 28 urns, urns, then they would um, tax a lower amount because they believed it was harder to grow stuff because fertility would be down. So... You know, ISIS is, is linked in with this whole idea of this cyclic flood and the generation of of the black silt that it brought in, allowing, you know, the the, the vegetation to grow for the feeding of the population. So, so she has deep links with agriculture and, and the turning of the cycle and the flood and, and the coming of the
1: waters. And
2: yeah, yeah.
1: And you said a black silt type of stuff.
2: Yeah. So when basically when the Nile would flow, uh, when it was flood um, from the rains, as the rains were coming down. um, So let's see the, the top of Egypt is in the South, right? Um, So the bottom of Egypt is in the North. So when we talk about inversion, a lot of times, um, Egypt, the the Nile flowed from the north to the south, right? So as it would rain in the north, this would like, you know, kick up a lot of the soil and disturb, you know, everything. And that would flow into the riverbanks. And so it would develop this silt that was uh basically the, the most recent broken down plant matter, um, you know, from where the rains were and that would wash into the river and it would flow down into Egypt. Right. And it was during the time of Mizraim where uh, Mizraim essentially set up these walls around the fields in Egypt. So as the flood would come, it would overflow the walls. And then once the, the flood would settle down, it would capture Pool, like giant pools of water everywhere uh, you know basically for these fields for the crops and all that recently broken down plant, plant matter from you know that had accumulated from the north and flowed down into egypt um, would settle into the fields and that would make that would basically be the fertilizer for the fields
3: interesting
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they would scatter the seeds and, and let the, the pigs um, run, you know, wild on the fields to basically push the seeds down into. And that's where we talked about earlier in the show about the pig herders, you know, who weren't allowed in the mysteries. And um, once a year they would eat the pig, you know, as a force generator to uh, um, Osiris in the underworld to push the, the crops you know so they would grow more healthily you know yeah interesting. yeah
3: interesting i just saw a post like the other day about questioning about pigs and like eating pork because in like the bible the pork, uh, the pig is the one animal that like is referred to in a passage where demons enter the field of pigs Yeah. And like the, like the herd of pigs and then they all run off a cliff. And he runs them off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, was, is there something up with pigs (laughs) that makes them like, I don't know, more susceptible to that.
2: Um, if you go back into some of the Persian beliefs, um, there's actually one line of thought that they are actually, um, from past epochs, um, a form of a genetically mutated human.
3: Yeah. I've heard that before as well. And is that why we're told not to eat it in like the old Testament?
2: Right. Right. It's, uh, and (laughs) all the Muslims, you know, the Muslims don't eat pork at all, you know, and, and there is a large, you know, thing with the trigonosis worm that if you don't cook it long enough, you know, um, that basically that can give you some pretty severe arthritis, you know? Um, but yeah, the pig, the pig is an interesting creature, you know, they're smarter than dogs um it's uh yeah yeah um so no no not at all (laughs) so now it was the uh days around mid-july to late august um and uh we had where they had many um feasts to uh sirius and isis um watching the dog star, the bright and shining star, which, uh, the masons actually call Merka, Right. So it's, it's one of the oldest, um, references to, um, what, what I see as analogous to America, you know, mm. being, um, yeah, Merca, Um, and it also kind of links in maybe with Merkaba. Um, but, uh, let's see. And th- this is the same five pointed star um, that we see on crests, um, at least to the Masons. You know, they they represent Sirius as a five pointed star and, and it basically has like little waves generating out of it. Um, but the Masonic star is a direct reference to um, this uh, this dog star that the mysteries of Isis basically revolved around you know so let's see and um when this when this would happen in the inundation of the nile this was also um what we still call today essentially the dog days of summer because sirius was the dog or the dog star right so um and this uh this dog star cycle um, took one thousand four hundred and sixty-one years in its full cycle, um, basically taking nineteen cycles for one turning of the Great Sky Clock, or the Platonic year, or the uh, the turning of the ages. You know, so this this uh, serious cycle um, would take nineteen cycles of one thousand four hundred and sixty-one years to facilitate one full turning of the Sirius cycle, you know? So, and also we have uh, Sirius being the dog star also directly gives us our word sophist. So if that has any meaning. Um,
1: I don't even know what that word means.
2: I think it relates to sophistry.
1: Yeah, like Uh, wisdom, right? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, and, right.
2: Well, sophistry would be, um, like we had on uh, the encyclopedists, um where they would go in and, um, runs, you know, it back into Plato even, um, he called the sophists, the traveling salesman. So it gets into these, these people, uh, these merchant class. Um, and you know, uh, again, we see coming out of Chaldea, um, you know, ISIS, um, involved in the chaldean mysteries um saying that she was born uh that she was the eldest child of saturn in the chaldean mysteries um so you know how can we tie that into uh to the uh ideas of uh geb and nut the earth and the sky you know it doesn't necessarily match up um but a lot of these things don't you know um it, it it's interesting. We more drift on the things that do match up. And I don't know, as, as humans, I think we're pattern recognition machines. So we have a tendency to, you know, uh, group patterns in patterns, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I could even say from my own experience when it comes to magic and occultism, things that didn't seem to like fit the pattern. When mm-hmm. I realized why maybe that idea or that symbol or that archetype does, it did seem to be a much more deeply. Deeply. Much deeper of an
2: understanding how many layers deep Yeah, it is.
1: yeah, yeah. To yeah. where it's like, yeah. all right, I could understand why I never would have thought that from the beginning. Right, right. Yeah.
2: Well, and then, then if you understand all these symbols. It um, becomes much more
1: true to you also, I think.
2: Well from from the personal individual um, thing it's one thing but for uh, the merchant class, the Mercers, those who worship Mercury or Hermes going back to Thoth um, these Merkers, these worshipers of mercury, um, if you know all these symbols then you, you keep that knowledge hidden um, then you're more apt to be able to play with information. To be able to manipulate, which lends to sophistry.
1: You know, it's yeah. funny. I've often thought that the devil tarot card might be showing that in a sense. Because mm. sometimes you see him, he will be up on like a box almost. Oh, yeah. Almost like up on a pedestal or his soapbox. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, is this like showing you like the people who have the knowledge and manipulate? Because you got people sitting down there with chains on that could take them off and think that they're
0: locked yeah. up. Well, <laughs>
2: And what's yeah. the box he's sitting on? That's our reality. That's the three-dimensional realm that we're in. You, have you that, know? Yeah. So same thing with the Baphomet. Like the cube, S, on a black cube, you know. The
3: box, the cube. Yeah. yeah,
2: the cube. Yeah, that's a whole show, man. That's <laughs> a whole again, that's like, theater. Yeah, theater. Yeah. The, the yeah scene, the theater
3: you stand on a stage, which is a giant rectangle, you know? basically. Well,
2: and in uh, in England, um, because they don't have free speech, um, they actually have to go down to Hyde Park. And they have the soapbox where they'll get up on the soapbox. And once they're on top of the box, they can say anything they want and, and they can't be persecuted. Right. Um, so this is where the the terminology of, you know, a person getting on their soapbox comes from. That's so crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Um. So now. the um, ap- let me see if I can pronounce this, Apuleius, who was a Greek um, philosopher, right? He went to Egypt uh, to be initiated in the Mysteries of Isis. And he tells us um, that Isis appeared to him and told him that the first of the celestials and the uniform manifestation of the gods and goddesses whose one sole divinity... The whole orb of the earth venerated, and under a manifold form, with different rites and under a variety of appellations, she declares herself to be at once Pess and Utica, the mother of all gods. So, um, within these mysteries, um, and and we do see even Isis herself making this pro pro, uh, proclamation. Um, from a stele that Alexander the Great found, um, where she actually, in that stele, it runs through all the different names throughout the lands that are all these goddesses in all these different lands. And she says that, but for those that know me in my true form in the Egyptian or the Ethiopian, call me by my my true name, Queen Isis. So Isis... um, essentially being the first um, of the four physical gods in manifestation um, is claiming that she is um, the goddess that produced all of the gods and that all these gods and all these other lands are just her under another name.
0: Mm. You, know? you know, even,
1: even in uh, ceremonial magic, and I'm almost positive, the reason I even look at it this way as well is because it's probably in Proly 777, but Mm -hmm. Isis will be looked at on the moon, which is the ninth sphere, and she will be looked at also as Isis on her throne Mm. at Binah, which would be the first feminine sphere, really, Mm. and the, you know, the the top one on the left.
2: On the the pillar.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's like the top, you know, head feminine sphere right there, so... That's showing you the same thing, I, I think, what you're just saying right there, how there's different yeah. versions of her. And like I had said to you before, I sometimes wonder, now you have that, and now in the middle you have Venus is taking Hathor, kind of mm. just in between that story, and taking yeah. it out, putting it to the side, and now this is her before she gave birth, or got impregnated, right. which right. is now Isis in yeah. the moon. You know, Isis, moon. Yeah.
2: Moon. And when she's incarnated into the moon, um, you know, it's, it's that we talked about it before is that Madame Blavatsky, how she talked about, she becomes crystallized where she, she becomes the insane sidereal mother that, that she's locked in form basically, you know, in that lower aspect of herself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. In the moon, in silver, essentially, there you know?
3: You
2: um, so now mother Isis, um, she is related to the serpent power of regeneration. Like we had talked about this, the serpent shedding its skin symbolically. Um, and this, this idea um, resurrected the earth every spring with the, the new shoots and the flooding of the Nile um, announced by the dog or the dog star. And even Thoth was um, called dog faced. So, uh, uh, but, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, So the virgin goddess, now here we're going to get into um, the symbols that she carries as far as the elements that she carries, right? Um, This virgin goddess carries in her left hand a cistrum, right? And this is almost a metal rattle that um, during the ceremonial aspects, um, as the entity or the god would approach into the realm of the service or the ritual, right? Because they would dedicate the ritual to a God. And as this God would come closer within the ritual, they would rattle the cistern. And the closer the God got, the more they would rattle it. And almost you have to wonder, um, you know, what that vibrational energy did to facilitate helping that energy move into that space. That's
3: interesting. During yeah. the Catholic mass, you know how they like ring the bells? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's at the moment supposed to be like when, you know, the body of Christ becomes you know, into
2: the. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you,
1: know, you know what I, I think that actually uh, might show just from my experience from. Yeah. things that I've looked at. Uh, mm-hmm. I was actually really, like I said, I was really big into Hathor. I actually, I mean, if I could grab it, I have like a statue still like sitting over there, yeah. you know, I'm not tossing it out, but like I, I was really, I worked with, I did a lot of stuff when it came to ceremonial magic with her. Mm-hmm. And I had actually, I knew what a sistrum was because I almost tried to make one. Because right. you can actually make one with like bottle caps and like a real ghetto way. And right. to, it ma- it's basically like you can make something in the shape of an ankh and, and throw bottle caps in the middle and you shake it.
2: Yep, And shake
1: it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's also associated with the mirror. Uh-huh. You know, she has they had mirrors that women, were, you know, would carry around mm-hmm. that was associated with Hathor. Now, when you look at Netsuck, she's associated with that. But it's also on the right side, which is the male. That's mm-hmm. how I think Lucifer falls into that area. Mm-hmm. I think the mirror in a way is showing like the reflection or seeing the right. self or being mesmerized. Right. Yeah. By the image. You know, she's mm-hmm. also a beautiful naked woman that goes with that thing. Very yeah. mesmerizing and I think the shaking is the mm-hmm. sound which is the male energy not in form shooting out somewhere else going over right. to toth. Which is on the mm-hmm. eighth sphere, so I think that's nice. how you can actually get the male projective energy, which is sound. You yeah. know, it goes out. It's not you know, it's trapped within these boundaries, but it can mm-hmm. go somewhere. People down the road can hear it. You know, so I, I think it is showing those both. Yeah, energies like males that, more
3: action oriented usually. Yes, right?
1: yeah, right. but I I do think the system. Yeah, it goes with her, but I also think it shows like, and and what I'm getting at those two bottom spheres in a negative sense. I think is showing you how. You are being controlled through sight mm-hmm. and sound,
2: right? Right. So um, now the other item that she held in her right hand, um, we see sometimes, not all the time, but it's a uh, symbol that, like the you know the triangle, is a symbol, right? And you hit it with, and it and it it resonates, right? Now the the symbol that Isis holds in some incarnations is actually a square symbol right? And it was tuned to the key of Fa, which is said to be the intonation of nature itself, right? So when when she would ring this square symbol, um, it was representative basically of the idea that all that vibrates within the cube, all of nature that vibrates within the cube is within her reign. So, So she is manifesting nature and bringing the god form in you know as nature within nature you know it's That's, uh
1: yeah I, I i sometimes look at like um like the male energy kind of being like sound or like almost like a fluid type of thing mm-hmm. of water and mm-hmm. then you know then you have the the scarlet whore or the the scarlet witch I do think, in a sense, she fits on almost every tree, uh, every sphere, because, like, each sphere is her taking that energy and putting it into a new form. Yep. And then the lanes or the lines going from one sphere to the next is basically the male energy breaking free again and then going being put into another shell or another cup. Right.
2: Well, and it's like. Sometimes, um, like, when you
1: see those waterfalls going from one thing to the next, that's exactly yeah, how what I think yeah, is going on with yeah. the spheres.
2: Well, and, it, and it's like we've talked about in the past as far as the crone. You have the old, the middle-aged, and then the young. And when you get into a lot of these alchemical writings and they talk about the children, um, the young man, the old man, they, you know, it's all different levels of moving between these different energetic yeah. forces and how they interact with one another.
1: That's, that's you know? why Metallica said in The Unforgiven, the old man standing there was him. He was looking Mm. at a reflection of himself, you know, in a different time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, but I think fundamentally what that really comes down to, um, when you get into all this stuff, it's just observing nature and how things naturally work and then seeing those, um, systems and then, you know, incorporating that into a system of magic. Um, essentially, you know, creating the the Kabbalan, or the Kabbalah and the Tree of Life, and bringing forth this this map, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So um, now, and that's uh, with this vibration, um, I have here. By process of death, she gives life to a number of creatures of diverse forms through time and it's periodical change. So that's essentially what we were just saying, you know, the various forms through time and their change. You that's know, what I think
1: it's almost like, like if you were to watch character arcs, like, like we mentioned before in the walking dead,
2: you mm-hmm. know,
1: you could take one of these characters and look at how, who they were throughout that whole show. You know, they're not the same person at all, but yet they, they are, you know? Mm. So like, I even think you see that going along in occultism. Sometimes we might change the name, but mm. it's the same type of thing. It's just showing you like a different type or a stage in their life, a different yeah. vibrational change in between, you know, going from one thing to the next.
3: Mm. Yeah. And even like Ecclesiastes in the Bible, you know, a season it's just for like everything.
1: archetypes, mar- morphing from one into the next.
3: Yeah. The song to everything, turn, turn, turn. Right.
1: right. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. A time and, and, you know, a time for everything in its own season.
3: Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, now we're going to get into Osiris. Oh, yeah. um, now, Osiris um, is much like um, the Christos or the Christ or Jesus, right? Um, and he is, I think, the essential primordial um, template for the dead and risen God. Um, I think there's, there's probably other characters um, in the histories that were dead and risen gods. But I think once we get to um, Osiris, um, he becomes the template for the modern personifications that we see um, evolving into um, the Masons and um, Catholicism and a lot of um, the systems that we're under now. You know,
1: it's a highly um, used, I think, yeah, recognized, uh, yeah, s- yeah, you know, story.
2: Yep, That's and and we say. see Osiris. Um, Let's see. So uh, as as baby um, Osiris, he actually has a heart or a heart-shaped fruit called a per se. Um, and this is just like Vishnu, um, who wears a sacred heart suspended around his neck. And this is also like we see with Jesus um, with the flaming heart
3: as well. I was well. just going to say, yeah, sacred heart right? of Jesus is an important right? symbol, yeah.
2: And um, we can see. Let's see.
1: Uh, you know, one uh, thing I do want to add real quick before you get into this, just uh, the yeah. whole the whole dead and risen thing with Osiris. Mm. Uh, even like the uh, the any of the hexagram rituals, it could be the lesser mm. banishing, lesser, you know, greater invoking, whatever it is. Uh, as long as you use the LVX formula, you're even. You know, as you're doing that ritual, you're acknowledging the death and rising of Osiris too. Within Ooh. the stuff that you're saying right, and the just right. you know the movements that you're doing too, and the stuff that you say, Ooh. so it is something that and that's like you know that's that may have came from the golden dawn, but like you know who knows where it came from before that, but right. uh, that is highly used. You know those are like rituals that it can be you know uh, it does you know non-denominational to an extent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of different forms of of you know different thoughts on magic or different schools of societies can all still use that, that template.
2: Yeah. We can kind of get into the idea of Osiris in the, in the sense that he's reborn. Um, Now there's a uh, Benson um, who's a writer. um, He's an Orientalist. Um, He tells us that, that when Osiris was reborn um, as the child, that his name was Linus.
1: And we talked about already the uh, Charlie Brown. Ones. From
3: Venus? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yo, you've heard, uh, Teresa, you've heard me say the thing about Charlie Brown, right, in Saturn, you've heard that? Uh,
3: oh, yes, with his oh, shirt. Okay,
1: all right, in the blockhead,
3: yeah. all right. Okay. Yes, yeah. in the blockhead,
2: yeah. Right, so uh, Horace uh, resurrected was was called Linus and was the husband of his mother. And as Horace, the husband of Isis reborn, um, he basically... You know, this is Isis's brother, dead and risen again. Um, he becomes um, Harpocrates, who is Horus the Child, right? So when you see that Harpocrates or Harpocrates, that That's, is uh, a reference I'm to Horus. That's even
1: more hypocrite. You, when, when you do this... When you do this, sometimes uh, when you, after you're done doing like whatever, like if you're turning to one area, you're drawing yeah. your uh, you know, your star, your hexagram, and then charging it with whatever. When you mm. go to stop, you go like this at the end. Yeah, silence. That's also the sign of Hopar Kratz. right? Goes and back to Horace
2: again. Thoth used to do that a lot as well. Yeah, and yeah. and and, and, like,
1: and real quick, you mentioned something about blue before or something like that.
2: Oh, I don't know about blue. Oh, you the were saying honey? something?
1: Um, or, or, oh, the no, Linus, Linus, Linus the... did he have a blue blanket? Yeah. yeah. He had a blue blanket. And then I was also thinking when Crowley supposedly did his invocation to Horus inside the pyramids, he mm. says that it blew, I think, glowed with a blue light.
2: Right. Mm. Mm. I bet you if you sat down and went through all the peanut characters, God. that you could probably find quite an insane link to all this stuff, man. Even
3: peanuts. You ran. know, <laughs>
2: yeah. You got to wonder about George Schultz, man. Artists, Charles
3: Schultz. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Charles Schultz. Yeah. Did I say George Schultz? George, yeah.
3: George R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Charles, Charles, Charles
2: Schultz. Um, That's funny. So now um, with Osiris, um, he essentially, um, when he dies, he becomes um, the Lord of the underworld or the God of the dead, right? Um, And we can see in other cultures, um, sun gods, gods that are linked to the sun that are also um, essentially gods of the underworld or gods of the dead, right? Um, Let's see, we have Baal, who was the storm god. We have Apollo, um, who is the plague god. Um, and that's just like Osiris, you know, being the god of the dead. So this yeah, you just have to wonder um with the Egyptian mysteries linked in with the Chaldean mysteries and, and the the merchants um taking this information and spreading it. Um and I think that's why we see it popping up later um within the Masonic, the Freemasonic um culture. You know, and and uh, how that carries over into modern times with all the stars doing the Osiris risen, yes. and um, oh, that you that, know.
1: that that that's actually what yeah you, you do that in the LVX formula. You yeah, do that too, yeah.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah. And does that relate to the killing of the king ritual, Osiris as well?
2: Well, that would be at the point when he's mummified and mm. becomes the god of the dead, gotcha. essentially yeah so that is that is i think a direct correlation with osiris in the underworld as the god of the dead you know yeah yeah makes sense so um as far as time um let's see i still have set and thoth um so i don't know how the thoth is going to take a minute i mean if you want to stop here and continue later yeah yeah yeah
1: because we we both also said that uh I meant to mention in the beginning, this will probably be two to three episodes this series. So, yeah, yeah. That was another reason why I brought you on because I knew it wouldn't be one episode. I knew it would be a very <laughs> detailed, uh, you know, multiple episodes. And I was like, that's perfect for this platform. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And no. I wanted more people to get to hear it, you know, so.
2: And I think it's also interesting that you have a whole group of people that are interested in listening to this long form information, yeah. you know, and then I find that, you know, I go out into the world and I have conversations with people and I oftentimes get looked like looked at, like I'm completely insane because <laughs> of some of the thing, the things that I touch on. But I find that the people that I'm talking to, um, they don't have the inclination to even want to listen you know, um, and, and they're more interested in, in I, you know, um, when you go back into a lot of the uh, miscellaneous uh, globalist documents and, and coming down through media and how they've basically taken and, and taken the attention span with children and cartoons and movies and stuff down to about four seconds, now um they they say that that four second attention span is actually less than your average goldfish you know oh. yeah wow. so wow. i really wonder uh, about what they're doing you know and and that also gets into uh the strobing path. like if you turn your television on And when we're talking about theater here, this is all about theater. This is all about perception. But if you don't watch the TV, if you turn your back to the TV and you watch the wall, you will see um, patterns that repeat themselves in how the light pulses.
3: Or like when you can see your neighbor's TV, you know, like going through, you know, just flashing in the dark or something right you can right. notice
2: it. Well, I've heard
1: some stories about like how that's how they drew like drew stuff inside like caves like the flashing mm. of like light and stuff um,
2: well the old fires in the caves yeah, yeah, and, yeah. um there's one actual uh, there's a python somewhere in in sub-sahara africa i think that they found inside of a cave and it's they like carved it in with chit marks and when you have the fire going inside the cave for the ritual um the python that goes around the whole cave um the way that the fire shines off the uh the chip marks it actually looks like the python is like pulsating and moving so you know and and it's the whole idea of you know the shadows and the the cave of plato you know um like and and i think what we're talking about is inherent natural systems within the world and how those systems operate, which is what all this really comes down to, right? Whereas the theater or the the Plato's cave or the reflections on the wall, you know, they're actually, um, harvesting attention and facilitating people's own will towards, um, their achieved goal. You know. you know, what I was
1: going to say, I mean, if, if you, I mean, I oh, know, this is going far back when people mm. made that, but I'm sure like, you know, at, at some point you're still going to get, I guess, um, less knowledgeable even before then.
0: Yeah. Basically
1: what I'm getting at is I don't think it would be too much of a stretch to wonder if like that was even like, was that somebody manipulating people with CGI before computers? Mm. Like, did you know how to use the reflection of like light and fire to make that effect and, right. like, maybe you thought it was cool, but you are like, yo, I bet you some people might believe that snake's real. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, like, you know what I'm saying? You're in an altered state of consciousness, and now <laughs> we're going to initiate you, we're going to take you into the cave, and we're going to show yeah. you, essentially, this cosmic serpent that, yeah. you know. And you could like be telling them, personally- I'm invoking
1: this cosmic serpent, and now yeah. they you start seeing yeah. it, when you and start lighting you can more it. candles.
2: Yeah, Gosh. yeah. <laughs> You know, well, and also we know, uh, like SRI and some of these uh, high level, like DARPA institutions, um, they've actually come up with a strobe light pattern that, if they throw it in your face, um, it will reset your brain, and you'll actually pass out, and you have to like reboot.
1: Yeah, that's like some Men in Black so, stuff now. Wow. You know, yeah. wow. It's, and you're uh, that straight up Men in Black. Yeah. Yeah. More yeah.
3: than well, yeah. like those purple street lights coming out. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of friends who've seen like flashes of white or flashes of red, like yeah, in the last couple of years. I don't know, yeah, crazy shit's say, going on.
2: I could say some strange stuff about old streetlights back in the day, but another time
1: on spiritual gangsters. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. That's true too. Oh, man. Uh, um, Robbie, yeah. would you do you want to plug your stuff real quick before we wrap this up?
2: Um. Yeah, you can find uh, my. Uh, podcast uh, or interviews I've done on other shows as well as some of my own information at Meta Mindcast, M-E-T-T-A, Mindcast. Um, and then also if you just Google R, Marks, M-A-R-X, Artist, um, I'm on all the the major platforms.
1: So Awesome. Thank you very much. And Teresa, yeah. would you like to plug uh, your show as well?
3: Yeah, please check it out. It's called Spiritual Gangsters on all the major podcast platforms and YouTube. And, yeah, come check it out.
1: Thank you. And thank <laughs> you both very much. I had a, I had a great time. That was very, you know, a lot of information, a lot of stuff I had no idea about, but I thought we also had great chats where there was stuff I could bounce off of you. Mm. You know, and, and I think in these conversations, it's great because it's like I could see what you're saying in a different way and I have my way of yeah. seeing the same right. thing. Again, we're just different pieces of the puzzle. Exactly why <laughs> Teresa's here because she'll see things from her way. You know, but I think we can all still see A lot of the same stories, just in a different flair, a different art form, different story. Um, So thank Mm -hmm. you. I I thought this was uh, great, and I'm sure the rest of the series will be as well. Uh, Yeah, and that's the end of uh, Cult Rejects and Friends. Uh, Robbie's links are in the bottom, like I said. Uh, Teresa's is in my link tree as well. You can find all the stuff in there because I am the co-host You know, the link's in there also on my link tree. So, uh, yeah, you can find all that there. And, uh, yeah, until the next one, everybody be well. Later.